Blog Talk Radio. My name is Tom Marquisel Presidente. This is what we call the balance. And for the next two hours, I will be guiding you through this crazy world of sports. I am on loan from God to bring you the knowledge that you need. Uh, we got Daytona 500 weekend, baby, the granddaddy of them all. Certainly, we've had had the uh, the, the duels and the clash last weekend. And what a what an ending to that race! If you did not stick around for the end of that race, Steve Wilson from uh, Speedway Digest will be joining us in the ten o'clock hour, uh, in the second hour to be uh, breaking down Daytona 500 2019. Also standing by in the balance green room, Matthew Embry from WSBT up in South Bend, uh, going to be talking some college hoops with us and some IndyCar news and a lot of stuff what's going on with IndyCar as we get ready for the 2019 IndyCar season. Mo from the BS Sports Show also is going to join us. I'm going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in this crazy world of NBA and, of course, the MLB in spring training. My name is Tom Marquisel, President Day, 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to give me a call, we're going to be talking sports for the next two hours. Buckle up, it's about to get good. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, 
including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Time to kick things off. Standing by with us now is Matthew Embry of WSBT Up 96.1. WSBT Up in South Bend. You can find him at Matt Embry. Matt is our uh, official IndyCar contributor, but also our go-to guy with some college basketball. Welcome aboard, Matthew. Uh, how was your Valentine's Day, sir? Just glad it's over. Uh, other than that, uh, no comment. <laughs> I hear you. I'm in the same boat as you, sir. Well, let's talk a little bit about college basketball. We'll go homer here. Uh, obviously, we, we uh, broadcast live here from our Balance Studios in Indianapolis. I atop the Balance Studios west side of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so we'll go homer uh, a little bit. Uh, let's let's start with uh, the elephant in the room. Uh, IU, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? I know where he is not. And maybe we, we feel like we've been sold a bill of goods, but also, on the other hand, I think we all kind of knew, or, or at least those that follow basketball, kind of knew that he wasn't going to be a 20-point game guy. But I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed with IU. I'm kind of disappointed uh, with um, – with with Archie, I'm I, I'm kind of disappointed uh, with where we're at in the season. Uh, so uh, Matt, maybe you could talk us off the ledge or, or push us on over the the ledge. It just seems like IU and Romeo Langford just is not doing what they need to do in the 2019 basketball season. At this point, the fact that they're even going to get into the tournament might even be in question. At this rate, I don't think they're going to get in. Uh... Joe Lunardi and Jerry Palm seem to think if they go 9-11 and Big Ten play, they'll get into the field. And I just don't see that happening because I think even the mid-majors with 
better resumes. I think have a better case, like for even schools like, uh, dare we say, Buffalo, Wofford, uh, a few schools in there. I think that have a much better case, a much better case to get into the field, uh, as opposed to an Indiana or some of these other teams that are on the cut line right now. I think uh, the loss to Ohio State was just inexcusable. I mean, Ohio State, they had them on the ropes. They just couldn't make shots down the stretch. They made some poor decisions with the ball. And then Ohio State back in that game, and Ohio State won it. I think that is just a uh, evidence as to how bad this team has been uh, so far in the season to date. And, Unless they really pour it on here late, I just don't think they have enough of a case to justify uh, getting into the NCAA tournament at this point. Well, the good thing about it on the resume is they do have some good wins. So at least when we when we talk about and we look at wins and losses of who they've beat, at least that's in, in their corner. But do you think, and, and maybe this is a little bit harsh or a little bit snarky or a little bit strong, but do you think that IU fans and IU was so – I know that Romeo was a top five high school athlete, but, you know, here's what I see. I see uh, Tom Crean down in Georgia getting some of the best – uh, uh, recruits in the nation. We see Purdue and Matt Painter getting some great recruits. What is it? And, and we thought, well, yes, I, I'll, I'll admit that I was on that bandwagon. Maybe not that that uh, that Romeo was the savior of IU, but certainly thought that he was the first of pieces. And we also believed that Romeo was going to be a one and done. So we had to get the best and the most out of him that we could here in this season. That has not happened. Were we sold a, bit, a bill of goods on Romeo Lankford? Well, that's the same thing with Purdue when they brought in Caleb Swanigan. I'd say be careful what you wish for because you may not get everything that you're hoping for. And it didn't work out for Purdue in the two years Caleb Swanigan was at Purdue. And uh, I don't think it's going to work out in the year or whatever Romeo Lankford's going to be. Now, I read it, I think it would be better served for him to stay an extra year and to hold his skills and make him a better NBA prospect. But uh, with the way that things are, that uh, people think you've got something wrong with you if you stay an extra year, uh, I think he's going to go to the NBA draft. But let's face it right now, Tom, Indiana is 4-9 and nine in league play. That just is simply not good enough uh, to get into the field, even though, yes, it's an advanced schedule with 20 games per year in the Big Ted. 4-9, uh, five games under 500, that's just not I think a plausible theory as to get you getting yourself into the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I, I mean, I tell you what, they've got to start winning some games and that game against Ohio state. I uh, just seemed like it just was like so close yet so far away. They only had the lead once for just a few, few brief moments. And, and, and certainly not a knock against Ohio state, but certainly a team that I, you would think that I, you, the way that they've developed the way that you, that we've seen them play recently and the teams we've seen them beat, you you would think that they could have beaten Ohio State, uh, but that that just didn't happen. Let's move on over to your Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I know you were up there in Notre Dame country, and, and that is your, your uh, wheelhouse uh, there at WSBT. Talk with us a little bit about what's going on with the Fighting Irish. If you think Indiana's bad, Notre Dame's even worse. Uh, they had the injuries. <laughs> they had the lack of things. I mean, yeah, they got a decent performance on T.J. Giz when they beat Georgia Tech uh, last Sunday, but they have to go to Charlottesville today to take on Virginia. There's no way they're going to beat Virginia unless Virginia look completely as they. I mean, Virginia's only two losses this year. Granted, a bit to Duke, but still, 
they're not showing the things that uh, made them vulnerable, say, to like a UMBC last year, the NCAA tournament, they kid the first one to lose to a 16. Uh, I, I, produced, I mean, Notre Dame's got a few things in their quarter. they got some decent talent coming back next year. Obviously, Lex Fluger looks like he's going to be granted a six-year NFL eligibility after his injury, uh, et cetera. And then you got a bunch of talented freshmen, Juwan Durham, uh, Hub, and then supposedly another good, uh, decent recruiting class coming in uh, for Mike Bray. But uh, right now, you just can't uh, jump out of a flying airplane and try to make a parachute before it smashes onto the ground of the ACC. I think, as you've seen, uh, if you watch the uh, preview of the tournament seating uh, last this past Saturday, ACC had, I believe, four teams in the top 16. So it shows you that how tough that conference is right now. And if you try to rebuild like Notre Dame is, uh, you're going to be several steps behind the pack. And I think it showed right now when all you got is uh, two wins over Boston College and one win over Georgia Tech. I mean, that just uh, isn't going to cut it. Well, granted, I think you've got a rebuild going on, and that's part of the reason why the situation is. But uh, I think uh, things need to uh, adjust themselves especially we get to 2020. Uh, otherwise, uh, maybe it's time for us Warbrick to start looking uh, maybe that uh, this uh, deal with Mike Bray, maybe it's time to uh, move on and uh, go a different direction. Let's go on over to West Lafayette, Indiana. Obviously, Matthew Painter and Purdue uh, ranked 11 and 12, depending on which poll that you look at. Uh, but certainly in the top 25, which is where you want to be talking about with teams going into March, we're definitely headed into March full Full speed ahead, uh, the Purdue Bullemakers, they, uh, I don't know that they've shocked anybody. They're just playing Purdue basketball as much as I, I hate Purdue because I'm an IU guy. I can't like Purdue, uh, but they're doing a good job. They have a good season. What are your thoughts on uh, Matthew Painter and his uh, Purdue Bullemakers? Did not like their performance against Maryland. They looked uh, lost at sea in that game. Uh, and when they look locks to see, they rely on just one player, Carson Edwards, to do all the work for him. But I don't think it could work out that way. And you saw they struggled big time against Maryland. They lost that ball game. And uh, I think uh, there's just some inconsistency with this team as well. I mean, that's the thing with the Big Ten. I mean, there just isn't a consistent top-to-bottom team there that makes you say – uh, this team is a challenger to possibly win a national championship. Now, you could say that with a lot of the tees from, I think, the Big 12. Uh, you could say that with a lot of tees from the ACC. But I think right now the Big 10 just doesn't have that uh, wild team. I thought it was Michigan and Michigan State, but uh, they've also uh, had some questionable games as well. Their records is down the stretch here. So if you were to ask me, I think who is the best teams to likely – uh, possibly lift the championship trophy, I would say right now it would be someone from the ACC, the Big 12, or maybe even Gonzaga if you're looking at uh, someone from outside of those uh, two conferences. But right now uh, the Big 12, Ted, is decent, but I don't think there's really a T that stands out. And what about the Pac-12, uh, Tom? We could only have a year where only one team of the Pac-12 gets to the NCAA tournament this year. That's the tournament automatic bid. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you know we certainly look at Kansas and and Texas Tech out there, but but you know one of the the other teams uh, in the SEC is Tennessee. Tennessee, the Volunteers have certainly stepped up to number one over Duke, and I don't know that anybody would have. I mean, I think everybody thought Duke was going to be in the top five, but for them to slip down to number two in both polls uh, under under Tennessee, I I just think that 
we're starting to see a swing uh, with, with the volunteers. Obviously, much better basketball than a football scene. But here we go with the SEC again. Yeah, but can they beat uh, Kentucky at Rupp Arena? Because that's the test for them today. I'm not convinced they could do that. No, you're absolutely right, and, and we'll see where it could. And there, and there again, that's another team that I love to hate. Uh, being an IU guy is is uh, UK. Let's uh, let's break down the the top ten, if you will: uh, Tennessee, Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, Kentucky, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, Houston, Marquette, and then. The other in the number 11 slot is another Big Ten team of Michigan State. As we look at that field and we begin to develop our picture or begin to read the tea leaves going into March, uh, I mean, I think still we want to look at the top seeds uh, still being Tennessee, Duke, Gonzaga, and Virginia. Again, we don't know where Kentucky's going to end up. A big game today against Tennessee and Rupp. But at the moment, if we were to read in the tea leaves, really the, the top seed teams are right in front of us in the top four lineups. The question in my mind is, how is the committee going to handle Nevada? Because they loaded a lot of their non-conference games against the Pac-12, which has been abysmal this year. So how badly... Uh, is Nevada going to get penalized? I think they were not even a top 16 seed in the preview draw in the S-curve this past Saturday, even though they're a top 10 seed. Granted, those polls don't mean anything in the ultimate picture, but I think that's the question in my mind. How bad is a team like Nevada going to be penalized? Uh, Marquette with Big East did a little bit of a conundrum as well. I'll be curious to see how they get uh, handled with the draw. I think obviously they're obviously at the tournament at this point. And the same goes for Houston with uh, what I would say is a weak American Athletic Conference when, you know, the top contenders outside of them to get uh, a bid at this point at large are Cincinnati and Central Florida, teams that I don't I think have a weak case at best. You know, here's one of the things that I'm looking at as far as where things have happened throughout the season. And if we look at last year about this time, uh, there's two teams that I've, that I've looked at that have basically did a, a swap and that's Kansas and Tennessee. Uh, obviously, Tennessee is at the number one slot. Around about this time last year, we were looking at Kansas as the number one slot. Kansas came in being very, very strong. But it seems like Kansas is on some sort of a slippery slope, and – it just seems like uh, tennis, the Jayhawks and the Volunteers have just did a swap in a year's time. Kansas, I still think, is potent. I just think the question is, though, are they really that good outside of Fog Island Fieldhouse? And you ask the same thing about Duke when they play outside of Cameron Indoor. I think Duke has proven their case that they are legit this year. Kansas has had uh, a few slip-ups and uh, near close calls away from Holmes, and I think that does not bode well for them when they get to the NCAA tournament, especially considering they have a long history of first-round, second-round early exits where they've been a high seed. So uh, at that point, if I were a Kansas fan, I'd be a little bit concerned about what's been going on lately uh, looking ahead to the NCAA tournament uh, based on what I've seen away from Fog Allen Fieldhouse. 
We're talking with Matthew Embry up at WSBT in uh, uh, South Bend, Notre Dame country. Also, our official IndyCar contributor. We're going to get into some IndyCar talk here in just a minute. It's obviously NASCAR, uh, Daytona 500, granddaddy of them all uh, this weekend. And certainly we had a, a huge uh, uh, finish, I guess, last week kind of in the rain and Daytona with uh, uh, the a huge wreck at the end of that. And we're going to be talking with Steve Wilson toward the end of the show. But I want to get into some of today's game uh talking about the big 10 obviously we were talking earlier about michigan uh you know maryland's did okay this year i mean uh the turtles have uh, have uh, maybe their heads poking out of their shell a little bit i don't know that they can beat michigan today but that would be a huge win for maryland and a huge loss for michigan at home today that's at chrysler yeah matt the maryland is at michigan today the fact that Maryland, though, beat Purdue as handily as they did, I still think this game could be close. Uh, Michigan looks solid in dog conference, and they kind of uh, flatlined uh, since then. I mean, they're still getting a decent amount of wins, but uh, none of those wins really say out and say, wow, this is a team that can challenge. Uh, not to say they could get to all the way to the Final Four, but uh, I'm not as – confident with Michigan as I was say a month ago when I said they were one of the top four teams in the country. Now I'm not so sure that they belong in that list. All right, let's go on over down south. Louisville's hosting Clemson. Obviously, uh, SEC Clemson is a completely different uh, team in the basketball world than the football world. Uh, and one could say even the same with uh, with football. I mean, uh, with Louisville, with football and basketball, but Louisville comes in at number 16 at home hosting the Clemson Tigers. This is a limiter game for Clemson. I think Clemson, if they want any shot to get in as an at-large, they have got to win this ball game, and I think they got to have some wins in that quad one, whatever they call in this uh, new quadrant format the NCAA is supposedly using to seed teams and determine whether teams get in and the at-large line or not. Uh, I think right now, if you look at Clemson, I mean, granted, uh, the resume – is okay. I still think there's room for improvement at that. I think they need to start winning games now and stop losing, I'd say, to get themselves a, a real good case to get themselves at large, because I don't think they're going to win the conference tournament with all the firepower up top. Uh, if you look at the two teams right now, I'd say uh, Clemson badly needs to win this game if they want to stay in the running uh, for a spot in this field of 68. North Carolina has a in-state rivalry game. Uh, they, they go down to Wake Forest, the Tar Heels, and uh, the Wake Forest uh, Demons there. Uh, what are your thoughts? No life uh, for Wake Forest right now. Uh, another team that uh, is going through a transition. I think the situation Danny Manning is not working. I'm wondering at this point, uh, will they go in another direction again? It would be another new coach for them. But it uh, just seems like there's no signs of life going on at Wake Forest. Supposedly, despite bringing in some decent talent, uh, nothing's been clicking yet for them either. So at this rate, uh, they may give them a run for maybe a, a half or so, but I think North Carolina's going to have no problems uh, getting the W in uh, Winston-Salem. Florida State goes down to, to Georgia Tech. Do they get stung by a bee today? Georgia Tech's played well at home. Uh, that's why Notre Dame's had so much problem with them in Atlanta, but I don't think Florida State uh, is going to have that problem. I think they'll eventually pull away in the second half. Georgia Tech, uh, same thing as Wake Forest. Uh, no signs of life for them either at uh, the bottom half of the ACC. 
Uh, the Bears uh, go down to uh, get in, in uh, Red Raider land in Texas Tech. Baylor against Texas Tech. Obviously, Texas Tech hosting, uh, but uh, number 15 in the slot. Baylor is is not really a team that I would put my money on uh, on the road right now. Uh, the Baylor Bears against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Tech had their chance, I think, to really prove they were legit when they played Kansas, and the fact they couldn't get the job done, they were easily uh, put as, pushed aside, I think really was a red flag in my opinion. Baylor badly needs this game, I'd say, to get themselves back in position to be a contender, so uh, I expect a big performance to get for Baylor today, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to get in the victory against uh, Texas Tech. It's been one of the feel-good stories uh, so far this season. We're talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT, up in South Bend, Notre Dame country. Your game today is Notre Dame versus number four, Virginia at home. Uh, Virginia, I'm sorry, Virginia uh, yeah, at home. At, uh, yeah, it's in Charlotte. Uh, what are your thoughts? Away. That, yeah, yeah, I, I misspoke. Should. You're right. Go ahead. Go ahead. If they can stay within 20, I'll be happy. Uh, this is a Virginia team that I think that is trying to prove they are not a bumpkin when it comes to uh, the NCAA tournament right now. I think they got uh, an axe to grind. And uh, Notre Dame, I think if they get off to a slow start, uh, they'll get buried, even though Virginia's not known as a high-scoring team. Uh, Notre Dame, if they get on one of those shooting droughts, they'll be lucky even if they get hit 40 points against this defense. I just think uh, you look at the numbers right now, this should be an easy win for Virginia, no problems. Well, a few other games on tap here, and we'll get into this IndyCar talk. Uh, obviously, Purdue's at home against Penn State, Big Ten matchup. Uh, Nittany Lions against the Boilermakers. I think this is a, I won't say an easy game at home for Purdue, but certainly a win they should get today at home. After the loss to Maryland, they need to start winning to get themselves in contention because I think they have a potential. If they could run the table, they can get to the two line and give themselves a decent draw in the SLA tournament right now. If they keep losing, they're going to lose that position and really control their own destiny. Because I think the perfect scenario for them would be a scenario where they end up in that South Regional in Louisville. Uh, but uh, if they keep losing, I think that luxury may be taken away from them by the committee. Big, big game on tap. Maybe one of the biggest games of the weekend, if you will, as far as what we're looking at as far as March goes. And you got uh, uh, Iowa State, number 23. Uh, going on the road against number 18, Kansas State. That margin of error is so slim, and that ice is so thin between the two of them. This is going to be a bloodbath today uh, down at Kansas uh, State. As much as we like to throw the hater at Bruce Weber, give Bruce Weber credit. He's actually produced a decent team, at least this year, for Kansas State. Iowa State's uh, have fallen on hard times over the last few weeks, a few questionable games, a couple bad losses, but uh, I think uh, this was a toss-up right now. Maybe a slight advantage to uh, Kansas State because it's really tough to play in that uh, Manhattan where the crowd is literally on top of you, especially the student section. So if I have to uh, put money on it, I'd say Kansas State uh, is able to find a way to get the win. Last game before we get into some IndyCar talk, the Tigers are down to the Bulldogs. Uh, uh, Tom Crean and, and, uh, down in Athens, Georgia today. Uh, I'll I tell you what, I, nothing against Georgia and nothing against Tom Crean. I'm just a little jealous of his success there that he wasn't able to produce at Indiana. But we got LSU Tigers, number 18, against uh, Georgia Bulldogs uh, down there in Athens, Georgia today. 
curious to see if LSU has the letdown. They had an outstanding performance when they won at Rupp last weekend. Uh, this could be a possibility for a letdown against them. Georgia, I still think, is a year or two away before they are a contender, uh, with, even with Crean as the head coach. But uh, this should be a game that LSU wins. But like I said, that letdown uh, from their strong performance last weekend uh, could be in play here as well. Let's move on to IndyCar. Obviously, you're our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, we, we like to look at, at, like, we're getting closer and closer to the Indianapolis 500. Obviously, Trico named uh, NBC's uh, inaugural uh, host of the inaugural coverage of Indy 500. This is going to be something different uh, for those that watch the Indy 500 on TV. Moving from ABC to NBC, what are your thoughts? Well, it shows that it's still legitimate when they're getting guys like, you know, uh... For instance, when they had Al Michaels as the host in the late 90s, early 2000s, or they had Brett Musburger in the late 2000s, early 2010s as the host, I think that says that uh, the uh, companies, even though the ratings wouldn't would tell you otherwise, I think Indy's still a big deal. They have Tarico. Uh, it's unfortunate uh, this didn't come sooner because it would have been interesting to see what Costas would have had to say about this event. But uh, nonetheless, Tarico does a great job with the Notre Dame uh, NBC football games, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles things. Uh, obviously, though, it's still going to be uh, Lee Diffie, Paul Tracy, Townsend Bell on the broadcast, but uh, it'll be very interesting to see. At least it gives it some legitimateness, and it shows that NBC is trying to make a big deal of uh, the 500 itself, which is not a bad thing. IndyCar did its full-course uh, testing this week. Um, any takeaways from that? Well, the biggest takeaway, I think, obviously, is the fact that it looks like Pato Award now is without a ride. Uh, mm-hmm. When Harding Steinbrenner uh, brought two cars in, apparently they did that without securing the financials for both entries uh, for the start, which I think, in my mind, was a very poor decision on their part. And then uh, they'd make the switch from Chevrolet to Honda, but the problem is they make a deal for one full-time entry lease and a part-time lease for the second one, and someone had to go. And with uh, them, with Steinbrenner investing so much into the career of Colton Herta, you had a clue that uh, the odd bet out was going to be uh, the Mexican. And unfortunately, that's what's happened for Pato Award. There was a rumor, I think, out there that said Andretti had considered him for a half schedule, and Pato Award said no. Uh, Pato Award has quest has denied that comment. Uh, but either way, at this point, I'd say unless even with that scholarship buddy that denotes him to three races. Uh, I think it's too late in the game right now where he, if he's still looking for a full-time ride, I just don't think he's going to get it because you can't just put a full-time ride together unless you have all the pieces together for it uh, and created it just, you know, less than a month's time before the season opener. And I just don't think that's going to be plausible. Now, granted, I think he could find a, a limited ride. I think that Andretti ride, if that was reality, I think he should have stepped it up and taken that uh, deal with Andretti Alice work, of course, he rode with them when he won the title in Indy Lights last year. But uh, not sure what to make of this situation, but uh, I'd say uh, with the interest and the experience, supposedly, that Mike Hardy, Brian DeBardhart, and George Steinbrenner the fourth have, uh, this certainly uh, doesn't look all that good for them when, you know, they make two announcements on two drivers, and yet they don't have the financials yet to secure that. So I think that was uh, a mistake on their part. Let's move on over to the Andretti camp. There's a lot of news coming out of the Andretti camp uh, this year as we get ready for the 2019 IndyCar season. Uh, obviously, Marco Andretti becomes partner in the nine, uh, number 98 IndyCar uh, entry. Uh, uh, Andretti heard of Autosports with Curb 
Agajan, Agajan, <laughs> uh, uh, in the IndyCar series, uh, just scored a, a second business partner. Uh, we're looking at Marco Andretti uh, become a second owner driver in the in, in IndyCar racing. Uh, uh, again, in the blood, Marco Andretti maybe can't win races in the race car. Maybe we'll see what he does as an owner. What are your thoughts? Well, that's what happened with Michael Andretti. I mean, he had never won the Indy 500 as a driver, but he's won it, what, four times now as an owner? Uh, and the oddity with the Andretti Allsport, an all-American driver lineup. You have uh, Zach Beach back for another year, Marco Andretti, Ryan Hunter-Ray, and things looking good from that retrospect, obviously, with the good team leader and former AD, another former AD champion, Alexander Rossi, and then you've got uh, Connor Daly for the Indy 500, uh, curious to see who the last seat will go to uh, if they do run six again. Uh, still got a possibility that Stephen Wilson might be back. We still got the Indiana Donor Network sponsorship. Uh, there's a possibility, obviously, if they want to go for a guy that's got the speed. Carlos Budios is still out there. And uh, if they could uh, mend the fences, maybe Pato Award gets that uh, six seat for Indy. So at this point, uh, I'll be curious to see what line they go with. But they got several options for that six seat. That uh, for Indy and uh, a lot of takers, I think they're willing to step up. And then, of course, you also have a few new names that have joined the uh, party here as far as Indy rides uh, also within the last few weeks. You know, let's uh, talk about Connor Daly. I, I like him. He's a good guy. He's an Indianapolis guy up from up in Noblesville. Uh, he's been a kind of a disappointment in the Indy 500 on the Oval anyway. I know he's did well in the in the GP race. Uh, and, but Connor Daly to me seems mediocre at best. I know that Air Force has got some good money behind him, and maybe that was part of the decision to bring him on uh, for the Indy 500 in in the Andretti camp. This is probably the biggest break of Connor Daly's life. He has to make the best of it. How does he do that? I think keep his nose clean to be running at the finish would be a start. Uh, with as tough as it was to pass last year, I think it could have some. If it's like that this year, I think we could have some more impatient driving, which could lead to some possibly some big pileups, et cetera. Uh, if that's the case, uh, if he can keep his nose clean, I think he could get himself a top half finish, no problem. Uh, ultimately, though, I'd say right now, I just don't see a scenario where he's going to get a full time ride ever again in IndyCar. Uh, Unfortunately, all the bad vibes that started with uh, the alleged encounter involving uh, Bob Lamey, the former Indy 500 turd four reporter yeah. and the voice of the Colts, and the issue with uh, Derek Daly that ultimately led to him being forced to resign from Wish TV's uh, race coverage and uh, now has led to the personal lawsuit uh, that Derek filed about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, that mess is there, has gotten him, and... The thing is, I think right now, another guy, I think if you could point some of the blame, I'd say it's got to be Doug Bowles. I think as the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I think he could make a bigger uh, you know, appeal to teams that uh, adding your my stepson to your team I think would be a big deal. So I think there's a lot of uh, blame to go around as to why this hasn't worked out for Cotter Daly. Uh, personally for him, and then the outside sources, I think, have made things difficult for him as well. I think uh, that situation with his dad ultimately cost him a potential shot to maybe, if he could have made it as an IndyCar driver, he could have possibly made it as an Xfinity Series driver this year. And unfortunately, that came at the wrong time during silly season where it really cost him a shot, I think, to get, if not a full-time ride at Xfinity, a chance to run uh, at least the major races in the Xfinity Series uh, 2019. 
Yeah, you know it's unfortunate that uh, Connor got caught up in the firestorm of uh, of his of his dad, and you know uh, maybe maybe uh, his stepfather had something to do with with the the ride with Andretti. But let's talk a little bit about former IndyCar F1 uh, driver Derek Daly. He does sue Indianapolis uh, TV station Wush TV uh, here locally for $25 million. Derek Daly, who found himself in a firestorm of controversy, uh, uh, thanks, as you mentioned, to, to Indianapolis Colts play-by-play broadcaster Bob Laney last August has filed a $25 million lawsuit against the Indianapolis television station uh, Wish TV. Um, so, the, the reason kind of walked, you know, what happened here, and we're not going to actually use the actual verbiage on this show because there's no need to. Uh, but well, here's here's uh, basically a word that is commonly used uh, for ignorance, if you will, uh, in in Europe, and that's the N word that you never, 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 never utter uh, here in the United States, especially in modern day era. There was a conversation that Bob Lamey was just talking about with somebody else in the booth, uh, and, so, and, and, and another, another intern overheard him use that word, and so the, the chain of events happened. Obviously, Bob Lamey was dismissed. Uh, Derek Daly was dismissed. All over a word that was used 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, by someone that did not know that he shouldn't use the word. And then Wish TV jumped to, to uh, uh, I guess, jumped on the fire relatively quickly, uh, at least if you want to go with what Derek Daly uh, claims. And I actually kind of say that if I'm going to throw an opinion out there right now, I think he's right. And I also think that maybe Bob Lamey uh, was unjustifiably uh, dismissed. Again, you never use that word. And there shouldn't be a reason to use that word, but if you're talking about something that happened 20 year, years ago, and Bob Lamey was talking about an interview that uh, Derek Daly freely admits that he had and was told later on to never use that word again in the States, and he never has, we're just talking about historical context. We're not talking about someone's actual feelings toward an actual race of people. What are your thoughts? Uh the fact of the matter is that's a word you just simply do not say, and you don't mention that to anything. Well, I said it in the past. That That's just asking for trouble. And I think right now if there's anyone that uh, Derek Daly wants to blame, it's Bob Lamey. Uh, Bob Lamey's the one that brought it up and mentioned his name in it. I think if he had kept it to himself, none of this would have happened. I think at that point – uh, I think if anyone, he's got a beef against anybody. I think the person that he should be going after is Bob Lamey because the media's job is to report stuff like this, and it will cause a firestorm when you get the information like that coming in. So I think if there is somebody he needs to be mad at right now, he should be pointing the finger of blame toward. It's not Wish TV. It's Bob Lamey. Well, and you know, I, I I know that Bob Lamey and uh, Derek Daly have been friends for many years, and I th- I think maybe Bob Lamey was just sharing a story about how crazy still, the media. Ma- no, no, I I couldn't That's agree with you more. That just creates a firestorm. You keep that to yourself. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. With Bob doing that, he not only hurt himself, he also hurt Derek Daly at that. It, it directly also hurt Connor. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's talk a, a little bit about uh, another team here with IndyCar while we still got a few more minutes. And certainly Ed Carpenter ends the relationship. It seemed like a long 
lasting, long-term, good relationship uh, with Fuzzy Zwaka. We know that sponsorship is all about money, and money speaks in, in high volumes. Do, are we too uh, re- in the tea leaves that Fuzzy Zwaka isn't doing as well as we thought that they may have been doing? Well, I think Fuzzy Zwaka also got a lucrative deal with the PGA Tour, and considering Fuzzy Zeller is a former golfer, uh, you do the math. Which side yeah. of the coin do you think he's going to go towards? I think Fuzzy's tried to get ever after. Of course, he also had some very poor comments of his own uh, 20 years ago about Tiger Woods winning the Masters. He's another guy that's tried desperately to get back into the game on his own terms. And I think the opportunity now is out there with that deal with either, the, I think it's either the PGA Tour or the Champions Tour. So obviously he's going to step up in that. And now granted it's good, but with the, what he's got with Ed Carpenter. But the thing is, though, is Ed Carpenter's team outside the Indy 500 really relevant? And as much as I love Ed Carpenter and Ed Carpenter races, I hoot and holler for them all the time when I'm down at Indy. The reality is, that's all they're good at right now. Until Spencer Piggott makes a name for himself uh, outside the Indianapolis 500 on these road courses, they're just a one-trick pony at this point. And now that's not a bad thing because it's the biggest race of the year. But still, uh, beyond Indy, uh, where is ECR relevant uh, in your opinion, Tom? I can't think of another place other than Indy and maybe some of the other ovals where that team really has a relative place uh, on the IndyCar series right now. Well, there's a couple other ponies added to that as well, and that's Ed Jones and Curso. Uh, we'll see how that, that pans out, but they've joined for the 2019 uh, Racing IndyCar campaign. Thoughts on Ed Jones and Sergio Curso? <laughs> Scuderia Corso, you mean? There you go, that one. That, that guy. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, like I said in my, uh, when I put my list together, this is a make or break right now to save face for Ed Jones because he had everything on his plate when he joined Chip Ganassi Racing, and he totally bombed in that opportunity. And now he's back at square one and with very limited options, almost like a baseball player that's out of options, uh, going between major leagues of the biters. Uh Ed Jones has really got to make something out of this, I'd say, to stay relevant. Now, granted, I don't think it's going to be a career ender if he fails in this situation, but ultimately, if he wants to get back toward the front of the grid, uh, he needs to make the most of the opportunities got with him, and that's not just with the road course opportunities, but also the chances that uh, Indy uh, ran it with a team that was in the running late, even though, yes, it was just due to fuel mileage, but with the Royal Serbia, they were a contender late in last year's Indy 500. We've been talking with Matthew Embry, uh, our official IndyCar contributor, and also talking to some college shoes from WSBT up in South Bend. Getting ready to wrap up our conversation here, but uh, another story of note, if you will, IndyCar uh, team owners Vassar and Sullivan have, uh, form a Lexus IMSA, IMSA uh, team. Uh, so they're obviously expanding their resume in motorsport racing. So, yeah, they got off to a great start at Daytona, getting a podium right at their first attempt, which was a good result for them with Townsend Bell, et cetera. Uh, also questions, uh, I talk, mentioned Oriel Servia, questions about uh, Eric Bachelard possibly throwing his name back into the hat as a team owner. Uh, his Conquest Racing has not run at ND uh, since they ran Anna Beatrice in 2012. Uh, so that would be a welcome addition if he could find the funding to get back uh, for an Indy-only ride. And uh, right now at this point, the question is, uh, what about the Indioli rides and what number we're going to get? I think we're going to have bumping, but uh, the 38 to 40 
uh, possibilities. Unfortunately, now, with the way things are playing out, I don't think that's a realistic number. I think we could get maybe to 36 or so, but uh, the 38 to 40 that we thought we were going to get at the last fall for this year uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen, at least not this year. Matthew Embry uh, has, has joined us, talk a little college hoops, a little uh, IndyCar. Certainly, uh, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the IndyCar season. We are starting NASCAR, has started really, and in, in, in all is it's here. We're here. We're ready to go. Did you see the end of the race of the clash last week? I just can't get excited about where NASCAR is going right now. I just it just seems like they keep shooting themselves in the foot where they're going to run out of toes. I mean, uh, it's like 19, late 80s, early 90s. They made poor decisions on how they handled Tim Richmond. They made poor decisions about how they handled situations there, and it just spiraled, and now it's led us to where we are right now. Uh, the racing, it's just the cars are too equal right now. When you have two equal cars, it's too hard to overtake, and I think you saw that in the duel now, granted, it was a pretty ballsy, colossal move, and a move of genius by Joey Legato to jump from third to first in the second duel uh, last third, this past Thursday. But beyond that, it just was too hard to overtake. I mean, you see guys try to jump to the inside late, and they get shuffled to the back almost immediately. I mean, it's it's just really where you equalize things. The manufacturers, oh, we want equal things. We want equal things. We're equal shot. Careful what you wish for, because right now, uh, I'd say beyond maybe a late move at the end of the race, we could be having a single-file run similar to what we had at the 2000 Daytona 500 when you only had 10 lead changes the whole race. So uh, careful what you wish for in this situation right now. But uh, uh, if there was a little bit of leeway here and there, I think we'd have a more competitive race. But unfortunately, uh, with the way they have adjusted and putting these restrictor plates on, they want more of a draft scenario at all the events. I think you're going to have a lot of uh, single-file racing this year where the absolute reverse is going to happen to what they wanted, and I know Steve's going to have his say on it in the next hour, but I think it actually is going to make it even more difficult to overtake than it was a year ago. Well, we'll see what happens. We're going to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Mo for the BS Sports Show, standing by in the balance green room. We're going to be talking some NBA and the NBL MLB spring training. Yes, that is happening. Uh, We've been talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, and also talking some college hoops. Uh, You have yourself a good race weekend, uh, Matthew. We'll talk with you soon. And also, speaking of MLB, I'd like to make a public team plea to all the teams. Come on, guys. Uh, find some way to put Bryce Harp on a roster. This is no longer funny. The fact that it's the opening of spring trading, he's still a free agent right now. Great segue, Matthew. We greatly appreciate it. You have yourself a good weekend, and we will talk with you soon, buddy. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, and we'll uh, get into that exact conversation with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Also, going to be talking some action in the NBA uh, this past uh, week, and we got Mo for a few minutes before we get into some NASCAR talk with Steve Wilson for Speedway Digest. It is Daytona 500 weekend, boys. 917-889-8516, or girls for that, boys and girls. We'll be right back. Air National 
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. See the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Balance. My name is Tom Marcus. Roll right along on a Saturday. El Presidente, 917-889-8516. Thanks to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor uh, from WSBT up in South Bend. Also talking some college hoopage with us. Joining us now uh, is our guy that just helps us just just connect all the dots. And that's Mo from the BS Sports Show. How is you, sir? Good, boy. Ready to rock and roll, man. we got a lot of stuff to 
to kind of cram cram pack into our our short period of time here. Let's start with Colin Kapatrick. Oh my God, this guy never goes away, does he? So here's the here's the latest. He settled his lawsuit. Oh my goodness, imagine that. And he wants twenty million dollars to play in a call it a minor league, call it a D league. I, I, I it's still yet to prove prove its worthiness, but it's certainly. Football, we like football, and that's the American Alliance issue. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's great to have it. And then next year we're going to have the XFL. We're going to have all kinds of football. But $20 million, Colin Kapatrick sells his lawsuit with the 49ers in the NFL. What, what, are, what are we to read into this? I, I just want this diva to go away. Yeah, I mean, if I give you my my entire feeling on it, it'll be the only question we're able to ask to, in my <laughs> four or five minutes I got left. So, I mean, the thing is, he's not about playing football. Let's be honest. He was offered a couple of uh, um, chances to come in. He doesn't want to come in and play unless he's a starting quarterback. Uh, he doesn't want to play unless he's paid $20 million. Let's be honest, Colin Kaepernick, uh, let's see, in the last two years, through a grand total of 22 touchdowns in two years. Two years. So the guy's career had been declining already. It's more at this point about being a martyr than it is a football player, I think. So it, uh, it's time to move on. Hopefully the story's now over. Well, we're going to get into some MLB here. I mean, it feels good to talk baseball. Baseball's my favorite sport. I know that, uh, that I'm a Cardinal fan, but it doesn't really matter what the team is. Baseball is back. Spring training. Let's talk a little bit about what your outlook is for the 2019 MLB season. Well, I think uh, it's a sad outlook for my Cubs because it seems like everybody in the uh, in the NL Central got better except for the Cubs. So uh, it could be a rough year uh, for me as far as the baseball fan goes. But I mean, there are the big the big teams that spent big money again, and you know we're waiting on a couple of other big teams to spend some big money on Manny Machado and and Bryce Harper. So uh, it, it could get interesting real quick because it's it's insane that these two guys don't have contracts and we've opened spring training already. So. Hopefully this will be an exciting week uh, to see where these two guys wind up landing. What are your thoughts on Anthony Davis still? I mean, Anthony Davis, uh, the Pelicans are reevaluating a plan for playing time. Uh, what are the what if you're the Pelicans ownership? What are you going to do with Anthony Davis in the interim? We'll put it that way. I think they're going to shut him down for the rest of the season unless Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, steps in and says, no, it's an asinine idea for you to shut down one of our major stars for the rest of the year. But I think that's the belief in the front office right now after he left early the other night, after getting injured, which cost – that was the final straw for Adele Demps and his job. Uh, I really think that, uh, that the Pelicans' ownership at this point wants to shut him down for the rest of the year and then try to trade him in, in the summer, in the offseason. Who gets him? At this point, I don't, I don't think they're going to acquiesce to where he wants to go, but then you're going to be asking a team to take on one year of Anthony Davis, and at that point, probably a very disgruntled Anthony Davis. So I, I, Boston seems like the leaders, but he, you know, he's obviously he's flat out said that he doesn't want to play in Boston. Um, you know, the surprise team for me at this point would be Milwaukee. He's one of the, that's one of the teams he said he would go to and sign a long-term contract, and you add him along, along with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. That could be a very, very fun team. So Milwaukee is my dark horse at this point. Well, Milwaukee Bucks is certainly the team that nobody's talking about, but certainly one of the best teams in the NBA right now and probably has the MVP player on on, on their squad. 
Uh, you you cover it. We're, I know we're covering a lot because we just got you for a few short minutes today. Uh, now you cover the the Cleveland Browns as, as well. Uh, certainly, either the Browns are crazy like a fox, or uh, they they made something a pretty smart move. Well, one could argue that the Kansas City Chiefs, when they cut Hunt, uh, you know maybe they would be looking at a different story had they had him at the at the end of the season. And a lot of people think that maybe they should have just suspended him uh, internally. But either which way, there was never any criminal charges. He still has to go through uh, and finish the investigation with the NFL. Uh, but the Cleveland Browns say, hey, Hunt, come on over. Put yourself on uh, a uniform with the Cleveland Browns. And that could have been a very smart move for the Cleveland Browns. Although it may not have been the best PR move, it certainly may have been a good move. Well, if you can remember way back the, when he got cut, I told you that by this by the next start of the next football season, he would be a Cleveland Brown. Here's why: because Cleveland uh, has suffered so long. I think that the PR move hit is not as big in Cleveland because they're happy to have him. He's a hometown boy, and oh yeah, by the way, the Browns GM John Dorsey drafted him. So there was no doubt in my mind that uh, Kareem Hunt was going to be a Cleveland Brown. Uh, I think it's a smart move. It's going to open them up to do some things, maybe move a guy like Duke Johnson. And, uh, you know, they're, they've they uh, made it known that they're interested in trying to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. So this could be another exciting offseason for the Cleveland Browns. Now, you mentioned that he's a hometown boy. He is. In fact, Cleveland is where this event happened. And uh, the tinfoil hat wearers uh, think maybe uh, – how do we say this? Maybe the, the, the ownership and leadership team got together with the ownership and leadership team of the uh, Cleveland Police Department. Some money was exchanged, and they know for a fact there will never be any criminal charges uh, placed against them. What do you buy into that theory? 100% false. I don't think there are going to be charges pressed because when you see the entire video, uh, there, there were some strikes by this woman as well. I think that at this point she's willing to drop the charges either A, for a payoff, or B, to not have charges filed against her as well. Uh, I don't believe there's any type of conspiracy there, but I do believe there will not be uh, charges filed. We saw yesterday, and I even texted you, that uh, NFL Network uh, commentator says, hey, this is the year for the Detroit Lions. They're going to go to the playoffs, yet in the same day or the same week we see a, a press release that the lions release pro bowl safety glover quinn um something doesn't match up there well that and the fact that i don't believe that their head coach at this point can lead them to a uh to a playoff appearance that was an absolutely asinine statement in my uh in my uh in my opinion but yeah. you know you never know but uh i wish tom i wish we could talk all day buddy but unfortunately i have to go do my i know you got a roll brother I appreciate you joining us, and we'll catch up with you next week. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. All right. It's still my favorite show of all time. <laughs> all right, buddy. We'll see you. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. I, I know we, we knew we only had him for a few minutes going in, so we had to try to cram, uh, cram as much as we, we possibly could uh, in our conversation with him. And, you know, always a lot to talk about in sports, and it's good to have a guy like Mo on our team that could just come in and just start swinging. Uh, we'll be right back. My name is Tom Marquezel, Presidente. Uh, we're going to be taking uh, some NASCAR Daytona 500 with uh, – Steve Wilson of the Speedway Digest, uh, and we're going to be talking of the granddaddy of them all. My name is Sal Mark Vassell, Presidente. We'll be right back. Tonight. 
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Saul Mark Russell, President of Fix to Matthew Embry, uh, 96.1 WSBT up in South Bend, joining us talking some college hoopage and uh, our official IndyCar contributor as well. And Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, just joined us a little bit, uh, helping us talk to NBA, NFL, and MLB spring training. But nothing's bigger this weekend than the granddaddy of them all, and that is the Daytona 500 Boys and girls, we had a great clash. We had a great duels. And calling us from Daytona, Florida, is Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor uh, and editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest. How are you, sir? What a great Valentine's Day weekend. 
a great hey, Valentine's yeah, I'm Day week. Pretty, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's like 70, 75 degrees down here right now, so uh, it, it, it's a good day. I'm jealous. We're about 38 here in Indianapolis. So, hey, but that's okay because May is on the way. You see what I did there? Did you see that rhyme that I did there? Hey, let's uh, talk. We'll get into We'll talk about the Xfinity race here in just a moment, but let's start and go back to the clash. Uh, in the rain last week, uh, Jimmy Johnson wins. Oh, maybe Jimmy Johnson's the guy, the good guy, bad cop, good cop, bad cop. Maybe Jimmy Johnson's the bad cop of 2019. Uh, certainly uh, did the side draft uh, with Paul Menard. Paul Menard had the, had it in solidness, and, and then he ends up winning uh, basically because of a rain delay. But one could argue that Jimmy Johnson caused the big one, at least the big one last weekend at Daytona. A lot of wrecked race cars. And Jimmy Johnson comes out on top on, on the class, and then we'll get into the duels. But what were your thoughts on the end of that race? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, that that was, um, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson caused a 17-car accident right there. As you said, Paul Menard had this easily in hand. Uh, had it not been for that, I think that, you know, we, we would have saw a different winner. I mean, I know the intensity was picking up because of the rain, and, you know, that's not abnormal at all in these events. However, what is normal and what we've seen time and time again is that Jimmy Johnson has not been the plate uh, the best plate racer at all. He's very, very cold, and very rarely does he ever get one of those lukewarm or warm type events uh he he's wrecked out many of these events he's caused wrecks in many of these events um so you know i i I, you know jimmy johnson has is needing something to change his you know 20 2018 season he went winless in in that year just had very bad it was just very bad for him all year um and and, you know what we what we saw in the class what we saw in the clash with him you know wrecking like he did well you know that's that's not really abnormal for for jimmy johnson at one of these plate style events so what are your thoughts on the side draft uh i mean I, i don't know that jimmy johnson did anything illegal per se uh he, he he was merely trying to make a pass but he did create a side draft which caused the wreck but one would also say that jimmy johnson didn't intentionally cause the wreck he was racing and racing intensely as you said it was just maybe it was just a racing incident it could have been anybody insert name here behind paul Bernard maybe would have made the same move um, yeah, he, you know, we could pretty much argue that these, these cars are so aerodependent at these racetracks and the, the aerodynamics within the cars and the, the drafting that is required to get and move, uh, in these events, um, is unlike other, other races that we go to. Um, you know, it, it, honestly, you're right. It could have happened to anybody. The slide draft is one of the mechanisms in which these drivers are using. Uh, we've, we've seen we've seen one line or the other pretty much prevail throughout the entire speed weeks. We've seen these long Congo lines. Um, you know, we've 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 seen 
uh, both Matt and Benedetto, we've seen Chase Elliott use these side drafts in order to, uh, and Daniel Suarez to, to move through the field unassisted by a push or unassisted by the, the draft um, within these large packs. So, yes, you know, they, these, these could happen. We saw some of that last night in the truck series event where these, these, these cars and trucks step out of line. They wash up very quickly because of the arrow, the dirty air, and the side draft, and, and they just wax it. And that, you know, that's, that's, you know, yes. You know, honestly, it could have been anybody else. And I think had it been anybody else, somebody like a Brad Keselowski or somebody else that is known to be a good plate racer, we could probably say, well, that's just an accident. It's a fluke. It's something that uh, we don't normally see out of them. But when we talk about Jimmy Johnson, we have to talk about the fact of how he has not been the best plate racer in the world. And not only did he cause an accident in the clash, he caused an accident in the, 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 dual, the dual race in which we, we, Bush, we, yeah. he was in also. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, had we been talking about somebody else, it's probably a whole different story. But, you know, as we talk about Jimmy Johnson, his his, uh, his uh, record of uh, plate racing over the years, um, I think that's why so much attention has been brought to this. We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief with Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, calling us from Daytona, Florida. It is NASCAR weekend. It is the Super Bowl of, of them all. Uh, what were your takeaways from the duels before we get into this Xfinity race? Uh, Brad Koloski uh, suffered a penalty, got pushed to the back of the pack. Uh, certainly in the second race, uh, Logano passed uh, Clint Boyer in the last lap uh, to earn uh, the full 10 regular season points uh, for winning a dual race. Uh, thoughts on the duels? I think in the duels we have seen that the Chevrolets, in which had great speed in qualifying and could lay down that single lap speed, don't have the sustained speed for long uh, green flag runs. Ford pretty much dominated these events. Ford prevailed in both of these events, and Ford was top three in both of these events. So them switching over to the Mustang has not hurt them at all, and Chevrolet is going to have to figure a way to get around these Fords in the, in the long runs, but um, anything can happen in the Daytona 500 or restricted plate racing. I tell you what, you got to be excited for Hendricks Motorsports. Uh, certainly after uh, two of the NASCAR's uh, top prospects, William Bryan and a- Alex Bowman, both getting pulls in the prospective uh, races. Are uh, 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 and William Bryan uh, obviously getting the pull of the Daytona 500. Now, what we've seen in the past, to include Danica Patrick, uh, or maybe you could, you could compare it to the Madden game, you get the pull of Daytona, and it's like it could be a curse. Yeah, I mean, the pole here doesn't really mean a whole lot. I mean, it, it's great that you, you get to sit on the pole for a week. We get to talk about you sitting on the pole and outside pole for a week. We get to talk about you sitting on the pole for your respective duels. However, at the end of the day, uh, that pole position is, you know, people are going to line up very quickly. They're going to pick a line, and you better have some friends, and you can go from that pole position to mid-pack very quickly within a lap or so here at Daytona. So, 
Um, you know, you have to be a great plate racer. You have to be somebody that is able to go out there and keep the field at bay. And when they start lining up two and three wide behind you, the pole means nothing any longer. So let's go ahead and let's talk about the Xfinity race coming up today at 2.30. Total 500. Let's uh, let's break that race down as we get ready uh, for Daytona weekend and Daytona 500 uh, tomorrow. The big race is tomorrow, but today Xfinity's uh, are in the spotlight and certainly a lot of fun drivers to watch in the Xfinity race uh, as well. So, um, what are your thoughts on today's Xfinity race? I think we're going to see a, an exciting race. We've only got two Cup Series drivers in this event today. And we've had a lot of changes within the in the Xfinity series this year. We've had some new faces coming in, and we've got some faces coming over from the truck series. Um, we we've also have some teams that you know are, are expanding in in the series. And Ross Chastain, who was scheduled to be in the number 42 for for Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, and was ultimately sideline because of the, the sponsorship incident with DC Solar, uh, he, he's getting he's getting a ride at Colleg Racing with backing from both them and engineering help from uh, Richard Childress Racing. So he's still going to have an opportunity this year and, and throughout this year, not only to just continue running for JD Motorsports, which has been a team that, um, you know, they, they, they don't they don't perform as well as other teams, but he's outperformed these cars by by every single measure that you could measure him against in those cars. And he's going to have a legitimate opportunity this year to, to not only just win and place in the top five or top ten, uh, but I, I think he's going to have a legitimately good year. I think as the year continues to go on, I think we'll continue to see some different things out of him, and hopefully the sponsorship will come around to allow him to be put back in these cars, such as a colleague racing, or even he's still under contract and under a driver's contract with uh, CGR. So maybe something comes along there as he performs. Um, But I think we've just got a young upcoming crop of drivers in this series that are continuously making it better. And with less and less, I know a lot of people want less cup series drivers that that's what they're going to get today with, with Brad Kozlowski being one of the two cup drivers in the field uh, to allow these drivers to continue to make a name for themselves and continue to move through the NASCAR national series. We're talking with Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, uh, calling us from Daytona, Florida today. It's the Daytona 500 weekend, the Xfinity Series. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some uh, some manufacturers in the in the uh, Xfinity, and we'll get into some of these drivers. Chevy, obviously, is uh, leading the pack with the top three uh, drivers driving a Chevy. Chevy does seem to have a strong engine this year as far as manufacturers go. As, as we look at uh, Chevy and Toyota and Ford, uh, what are your thoughts uh, throughout the, this 2019 season? But it certainly seems like Chevy has figured it out at least this year. Well, uh, you know, surely just like the, their counterpart manufacturers in Toyota and Ford, 
you know, they they have a consolidated engine shafts between either Hendrick Power or ECR Power. So those 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 engines have traditionally performed fairly well. But again, uh, you know, it, it, and I haven't seen a lot of the speed charts yet for for the Xfinity series, just because um, you know I think they practiced one time yesterday. Um, you know, if if their counterparts, or you know, if they're the, you know, let's just take the the Rash Fenway engine or or the JGR engines, which are or TRD engines, which are powering Toyota, um, you know, they they've got to figure out, like in the Cup Series, like I mentioned a minute ago, they need to figure out the long runs. And while they have some flat out speed in qualifying or single car runs, things like that, you have to have long run speed in these packs, these packs of. 40 cars out there, um, and I think, you know, if they can figure that out, then I think they'll be okay. Um, you know, as, as Chevrolet has transitioned over the Camaro, you know, the first year of the Camaro, you know, just like traditionally that any manufacturer that comes into the sport or a, a manufacturer that brings a new engine or, or a new body or a new template into the sport, then, then traditionally it's taken them a year or so for to figure this whole, you know, this whole package out. And I think Chevrolet in the Xfinity series, which has run the Camaro body for much longer, have run this engine package for much longer. I think that at this point they are ahead of, you know, sometimes their counterparts and now Toyota, especially because they're bringing in the Supra this year. So uh, they're ahead of them. Uh, I think they're a little bit ahead of the Mustangs because the Mustangs haven't been in the series for as long. And uh, aside from the engines, I, I, I think that, you know, we could, we could see with them definitely going back to victory lane because of just where they are in, in the development of their car. Well, we could hear the cars in the background there. I'm jealous, uh, uh, Steve, but uh, the Xfinity's, uh, I believe, doing qualifying right now. Ryan Sieg at uh, the top uh, speed right now, 186.660 at the last one that was recorded. Talk with us a little bit. Oh, let me change that. That is Austin Cedric, uh, who just got the top speed uh, and uh, – now Ryan Sieg is back on top here, but uh, let's talk. Uh, we were going to talk about Ryan Sieg, so we'll just go ahead and start with him. This uh, keeps uh, keeps changing as we look at it, but go ahead, sir. You know, Ryan Sieg just—I uh, was—he was talking a little bit yesterday about how this year they brought on some new sponsors and some sponsors that are going to be able to better fund this team. They're talking about they're building or bought brand new. Uh, equipment for this year that they've improved upon their equipment from last year. So for for Ryan Sieg and those guys have been again they're they're another they're another team that has needed some help that they finally have now gotten it. And I think that for him he's a he's a small team a family team out of Georgia, and they signed. Con- Funny enough, they, one of their sponsors this year, Larry's Hard Lemonade, is actually from right down the road from me in Virginia. And they'll be on the car for, for this weekend as well as part of the remaining year. Um, but for them, they've traditionally gone from race to race, sponsor to sponsor, um, just trying to keep the doors open, not had the best performance uh, at all. And they they have seemed to finally now possibly have gotten that. 
so let's move on down to we're, I'm just going down from what I'm seeing here on the on the leaderboard right now. I know it's just uh, qualifying, I believe, uh, but uh, uh, we, we look at Gray Galding, which is just a little bit behind Ryan Sieg at 187.942 currently, anyway. Uh, so let's just talk a little bit about him, the number eight car, Gray Galding. Uh, you know, Greg Alding is, is you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of something to say about him. He, he, he's come <laughs> over from the Cup Series. You know, he's come over from the Cup Series in which um, he he's not performed as well. He, he, he's a guy that has had has sponsorship and brought sponsorship to the table, and uh, he's been able to stay in a rod by continuing to bring sponsorship to the table. Um, not really performed as well. I think he, he the seat was vacated by Spencer Boyd, um, who's going to continue to stay on the team uh, in a part-time basis, but has moved over to the truck series because of that, um, you know, sponsorship being brought to the table. Uh, <laughs> I think that's about all. <laughs> When that, when it's That's all you got, huh? I got it. Let's move on yeah, to Michael Annette. Let's move on to Michael Annette. He's running at 187.484 currently. Uh, Michael Annette, uh, I think you can find a little bit more to say about him than, than, than Gray, but go right ahead. <laughs> well, with Michael Annette, he, he's, he's over at, at Junior Motorsports. He's had opportunities at Junior Motorsports. He's coming back this year, and I think that as the team continues to develop and they're missing out on that, that veteran status over there, they don't have the Elliot Sadler over there to help them out, where he, you know, Michael Annette is becoming the veteran over the, at that team. Um, they're going to cycle in and out one of their cars. They're going to have uh, Greg um, Noah Gregson in, in the other car, um, so he's become the veteran of the team over there, and he's the he's the driver that they're going to uh, he he's they're going to have they're going to start looking to in order to uh, um, go throughout the year. I think he he comes from open wheel racing, dirt racing, things like that. So he has uh, a, a quite a background in various forms of motorsports that is very helpful to the team. Um, if he just learns the, the the building of the cars and the setups of the cars, I think that he could he could perform much better than he does right now. Well, uh, the the torch the Earnhardt torch maybe has been passed. We don't know. Still to be proven, uh, but still part of the family. Maybe not the direct bloodline lineage as far as father son go, but the nephew, I believe, of Dale Jr. is Jeffrey Earnhardt. What are your thoughts about him? Jeffrey has been in need of rides for a long time, and I mean quality rides, because Jeffrey has been a, a, a guy that has been, uh, I, I think he, he he has a lot of opportunity and a lot of talent in this sport. Um, yesterday I saw him drafting with the main pack. He's got JGR, which is um, uh, um, fielding the team this weekend. He'll be part-time with that team, and then also they, he's, his sponsor uh, is fielding a team of their own. Uh, so, you know, he he now has an opportunity to showcase what an Earnhardt can do. And for him, 
I, I think this is his best opportunity to date in which he could uh in in which he could um he he can perform uh and actually do something more than ride around the racetrack. Um, not that he's rode around the racetrack per se, but he's not been in the type of equipment that could uh, um, perform and, and run at the at the top of the pack or at the front of the board. In the top ten qualifying right now with Xfinity is a is a couple three Cup drivers, and that's Chase Elliott, Brad Kowalski, and Christopher Bell. We certainly want to talk about them here in just a moment when we get over to tomorrow's race. But for today's race, uh, we look at uh, 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 Chase Elliott, Brad Kowalski, and Christopher Bell, uh, Chevy, Ford, and Toyota in the Xfinity Series. What are your thoughts? Brad Kowalski is in a restricted plate race. Make sure that he's one of your number one or number two picks because that guy not only knows how to qualify a car, but he can he can keep these large packs at bay, and he's very, very tough to get around when it comes to these events. So if he's in the race, watch out for him. And by the way, side note on Fantasy NASCAR, um, I know I'm like the top competitor out there, and you guys are afraid of me, but I did not get my official fantasy car invite, so I need you to make sure that happens today. Do, 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 are we clear on that, Steve Wilson? I know I, know I dominate. I dominate, and you don't want me in the field, but, hey, I need to get my invite. So, uh, fantasy-wise speaking, uh, go, <laughs> go on into hey, the look, I'm not, a, I'm not always – I'm not always the best in these fantasy games either. Sometimes I've got so many things going, I just pick a whole bunch of drivers and hope that something sticks. And hope for the best. Well, I'll look for my invite uh, today. Uh, But uh, it's fantasy-wise, though. uh, Fantasy-wise today uh, for this weekend, uh, who who, who do you got? Uh, for today, uh, for today, I've I mean, for tomorrow, I mean, just for the weekend, for the weekend, oh, for the weekend, I'm sorry. Oh, for tomorrow, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of great teams <laughs> out there right now. Um, I, I, I'm going to pick somebody, I'm going to have to pick somebody that's in the Ford. They won four out of the last eight events here, and out of like nine out of the last 13 restricted plates, or nine out of the 11 last restricted plates, they've won. So, um, if they're in a Ford and a blue oval, I watch for them to come to the front and potentially be in victory lane. The Daytona 500 is the granddaddy of them all. It happens tomorrow in Daytona, Florida. Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief and our official NASCAR contributor, joins us from sunny Florida. And, you know, it's one of the few sports where the the, the most elite uh, event, if you will, the Super Bowl of the event it starts at the beginning of the season. Uh, certainly, it's equivalent to IndyCar's Indy 500, the Super Bowl, and the World Series. Uh, talk with us a little bit about what makes Daytona so special. Well, we've been coming down here for 61 years, and this race has kicked off the season since then. Um, we've been racing on the beach ever prior to even that. This race has prestige around it within 
uh, on NASCAR, just like the Indy 500. It's not your first race. It's not your last race, but it's the race that everybody looks forward to all year long. As soon as they leave here, every team, every fan, every driver, every team member thinks to next year. And I think that's probably true with the with the Indy 500 too. Is as soon as you leave that marquee event, you're you're looking to next year, the prestige mm-hmm. that comes with it that you get to say that you're an Indy, uh, Indy 500 champion or a Daytona 500 champion sticks with you for life. Uh, you know, there's dozens of other races throughout the year in which you could say that you're an ex champion from whatever race but it just doesn't hold the prestige of saying that I'm a Daytona 500 winner. Uh, you know, the, that sticks with you for life. And, and even some of these drivers over the years that has won the Daytona 500, they, and they've not gone on to have a very successful career. Everybody still knows they're a Daytona 500 driver. Well, let's get into the starting grid for tomorrow's race, Daytona 500. Obviously, William Bryan, another uh, young uh, up-and-coming. We've talked about the young versus the oldest as a perfect example. But we also talked about the curse of the pole of Daytona. William Byron gets to be on the pole in 2019, Daytona 500. Uh, He's young. He's got a lot to learn. I think he would be well served that if he's – not going to be able to uh, keep the pack at bay. Uh, he he falls back. Um, I'm not saying that he should fall to the back, but I think that he if he feels that that car is capable enough, then I think that he should follow along and watch what other drivers are doing, more experienced drivers, and then formulate a plan throughout the race. Um, now, if he feels that, and the team feels, and I'm sure, you know, there's 39 other drivers all out there that feel like they can run up front in front of a pack of 40. But if they truly believe that they can do that, then I think they should take their best shot and stay out front. But aside from that, I think experience factor is going to come into play. And over the 500 miles, 200 laps tomorrow, um, I, I think a young driver like him would be better served to learn uh, and, and and formulate a plan coming to the end than he would be to try and um, stay in front of the pack and potentially cause disaster. Well, there's going to be a lot of experience coming up behind him. Kevin Harvey, Ricky Steinhouse Jr., Steinhouse Jr., I'm sorry, Paul Bernard, Matthew DeBetto, and Martin Truex Jr., former NASCAR champion, all coming up behind him and on his rear. Uh, what's the plan that he formulates? <laughs> well, he doesn't, he doesn't have too many friends setting up there. His only friend <laughs> is sitting right beside him. So if, if, if one of them doesn't get in front of the other one and they don't work together, he's going to have a whole lot of trouble coming in the, in the name of Ford and Toyota real quick. Uh, you know, as as I said, you know, Ford had top had the top six spots in both of their events. So you know, you you've got a whole lot of blue ovals coming behind you real quick. And aside from that, yeah, you've got Matt Benedetto, you've got uh, Martin Truex Jr. And, and and a whole fleet of Toyotas of JGR Toyotas 
that that is going to be coming with a head of steam. So there's really not a whole lot of friends up there for him. We talked about Bubba Wallace a little bit last week, and and uh, certainly Bubba, you know, the the, the son of Daryl Wallace and and uh, part of the Wallace family, uh, so certainly has that battery going again with him. But I like the progress that Bubba Wallace has made, and he's kind of in the middle of the pack here at Daytona, which is a lot of times where we see some good winners. What, what do you think about Bubba Wallace there at Daytona and his qualifying uh, in, in his starting position there at uh, number 13 in the number 43 car? Um, you know, they've, uh, I think Richard Fetty Motorsports is still building upon uh, their move over to Richard Childress Racing. Richard Childress Racing has a, has a very good, uh, uh, restricted play package that they put together. Austin Dillon won last year. But as far as Richard Petty's Motorsports' uh, alliance with him, they're still building upon that right now. I think there's some some steps and some strides that they need to make some, some throughout the year and some measurements that they need to get to. Uh, however, um, you know, you <coughs> excuse me. However, you can't really count anybody out. You know, unfortunately, being in the middle part of that pack, um, disaster is going to strike, and you're going to have nowhere to go. So if he can avoid that that disaster, I, I think that that's going to play into play into how he finishes throughout the race. But capable enough, he's very capable of doing so. Um, we've seen him win in events both in, in in the Camping World Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. So he he's not for lack of of talent. Um, I think he's a quiet talent. I think he's somebody that is an up-and-comer like Ryan Blaney. We don't traditionally talk about them a whole lot, but they are a wealth of talent within the field, and they learn from one another, and they continue to learn from one another. And one win, when one is performing well, the others are learning from those guys like, uh, you know, Bob Wallace or Ryan Blaney or Chase Elliott because they're, they're just continuously learning from one another. Um, I, 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 think, I think that, you know, he, he, that, that team is just going to have to watch out for the big one. They're going to have to watch out for some of these smaller events that will happen throughout the race. And if they can do so, um, just like the truck series last night, some of these mid-pack teams were able to avoid disaster. They can get a really good finish out of it. And and, not, and, and and you know, Bubba Wallace Jr., let, let's go back to 2018 real quick. He finished second in this race last year behind Austin Dillon. So it, it, he knows how to get to the front, and he knows how to survive these, these races. Uh, he may not go out there and run at the front of the pack for 40 or 50 or 60 laps, but he can sure avoid disaster and come home with a very good finish. Let's uh, go on down the pack here. Chris Buescher, uh Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman, Ryan P- Priest, Daniel Suarez, and Parker Kligerman, uh, Landon Classic, and Daniel Hamrick is the next batch of, uh, of uh, drivers in the starting grid. Um, Suarez has an opportunity right now to move move into the Cup Series. Um, I, you know, he, he had some of the best equipment in the business over there at JDR. But I think some of that was holding him back at the same time. Um, so he has an opportunity at Stuart Hall's Racing to really learn from some people that, that are that are willing to help because Kyle Busch is is a driver that, you know, he's, he takes the limelight away sometimes from JGR. 
Uh, Kevin Harvick is not like that over there at, at Stuart Haas Racing. Um, so he has an opportunity to, to uh, be on an even playing field with some of the other drivers within that stable. Uh, going back to Daniel Hammer, Daniel Hammer still has yet to win a, a National Series event, but he's in the Cup Series. He, he's a driver that has competed in, 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 the, in the, the championship last for the championship last year in 2018 in the, in the Xfinity Series season. But with uh, Ryan Newman leaving out of there, it's an opportunity for him. He's another quiet driver. He's a driver that has traditionally he's he's done very well in all of his events. He's he's kept equipment clean. He's not tore up too many things. He's just he's just really he, at this point he needs that first win to kind of break that break out of his mold and, and move to the next level. Let's talk about the Bush brothers, Kyle and Kurt, Daytona 500. <laughs> they're 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 a, a, either a gang of thugs or somebody you want on your side, one or the other. You either love to hate both of them. Uh, but Kyle, the Kyle and Kurt show. Uh, what say you for Daytona 500? Uh, Kurt Busch has won this event two years ago. He's moving over to a new team. Um, he he's a driver that uh, has. Uh, help teams build better performance within their cars. Uh, he's done that uh, at, at several of his previous uh, teams that he's worked for, and I think that's why CGR has brought him over. They brought him over because he can tell them how to get better. Um, is he going to come out here, and is he going to win the Daytona 500 again this this weekend? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think there's an opportunity for him to do so, and I think, but I, for them. It's a season goal to get better as a whole at CGR, and I think this is where we they start is this weekend at the Daytona 500 is getting their cars better. Um, you know, Kyle Larson has won multiple times for them, but overall they they they've been up and down on a roller coaster, and they're looking for stability. Kyle Busch, on the other hand, um, uh, uh, um, he, he's still he's still looking for a win in this race. Um, can he do it this weekend? I, I mean, he, he has as much as opportunity as everybody else does in this event. Um, and, and uh, you know, we don't we don't always talk about him sometimes at these restrictor plate races, but when we do, um, he performs very well, and he's done so in other events in restrictor plate racing. I think for him, he's uh, he's looking to to gain. Uh, I'll win in this event just like Denny Hamlin did uh, several years back. We're talking about Digest calling us from Daytona, Florida. It's Daytona 500 uh, weekend. Uh, I know we only got you here for just a few more minutes, but I want to talk about some dark horses. And one of the dark horses that I think a lot of people like and it might really be the true dark horse, if you will, in this race this weekend, and that's Tyler Reddick. What are your thoughts? Well, Tyler isn't scheduled to be in this car all year long. You know, he he's going to be running the Xfinity Series, but this was an opportunity for Richard Chose Racing to put another driver and field another driver in the in this event with a hope of probably expanding that team at some point again in the future away from the two cars that they currently have. Tyler is a driver that needs a king, some experience, don't go out and look for him to go out and set the world on fire. 
but look for him to be steady throughout the race. Look for him to to be contending for positions in throughout the race. And you know, if he if he can play his cards right, he may end up with a decent finish in the day. And I and I think that the learning process for him will be those first hundred, hundred and fifty laps or so, and then we can see where he is at the end. Let's talk about the other set of brothers, the Dillon brothers, uh, uh, Richard Childers' grandchildren. Austin Dillon uh, driving that uh, fame number three, got him a championship at Daytona last week. Last week, I'm sorry, last year. And, of course, his brother Ty Dillon, who's uh, making a name all by himself. These Dillon boys, uh, uh, I think a lot of people discounted them at first because, oh, they're the pedigree, they're the, 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 the Childers' uh, grandchildren. They're just, they're just here because of who they are. They really haven't earned the right. But I think, at least with Austin, uh, Tyler has certainly proved his his wealth in the Xfinity. I think that the haters or the naysayers are proven wrong that these guys, yes, they have the pedigree. Yes, they have the name and the backing. But I think even if they didn't have had that, they both of these drivers, both of these brothers could be successful drivers in NASCAR without the help of Richard Childress. Yeah, I think they could, too. I mean, uh, Austin Dillon has won the championship in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series all by himself. Um, of course, yeah, sure, there's some help there with with Richard Childress Racing, but he's a champion in both of those series. Uh, he, he's somebody that you, you've got to look at, and, and, you know, he's he's a champion. He's a Daytona 500 champion. Uh, at the same and the same right, they're very talented drivers. I think Ty is still, as the younger brother, still learning some of this. Uh, I think Austin has uh, has developed more over time. He's had more time to develop, and I think that shows that within both the championships that he won in in trucks and Xfinity. Um, but Ty. I think has been on a more progressive um, ascension to the Cup Series, which hasn't given him the time to develop. Um, does he have the talent? Yes, I think he has the talent. I just think that it just needs to be more developed. And, and, and you know, Jermaine Racing, which has the affiliation with RCR, they're working out of the RCR shops. Um I think long term, if he stays in this sport, I think that he's going to have, he's going to be able to develop over time. But you know, anything that you do in this sport sometimes isn't very quick. Real quickly, one other driver I want to talk about, and we'll get into some uh, just miscellaneous stuff before we let you go. We appreciate you joining us from Daytona, Florida. Michael McDowell uh, had a good, steady, solid career. Uh, didn't really light the world on fire, but I think. I feel, and I, I think a lot of experts think the same thing, that Michael McDowell, I'm sorry, uh, has had a good career, a good steady career, but maybe he's going to start looking at other things to do. I would say, I would say that possible at some point. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's been, he was at Michael Walter Racing. He's been at other places. He, he came over um, to – uh, front row motorsports last year. Um, you know, he's, uh, I, I, you're right. I, th- I think that he could 
some point in the future start looking at something else. Uh, what that is or when that is, I'm not sure. But at least for right now, we do have him in the Cup Series. Um, front Row Motorsports is trying to get better and, and build new cars and new chassis and new engines from um, Roush Benway. I mean, Roush Yates. Um, I think they're looking to turn that team around from that mid-pack 20th place finishers to more top 10s and top 15 finishers. Um, They're working slowly and methodically to do that. But with Michael McDowell, he he has a lot. He he does have the experience in this this series. And with uh, David Reagan and Matt Tiff that are over there, uh, both of them are still fairly young. Matt, uh, David Reagan did run for Roush. He did win an event down in Talladega. Um, but, you know, experience level overall, um, I think the maturity and the experience level is probably falling on the shoulders of McDowell, and he could be the steady rock over there for them to to um, to to balance the the veteran to rookie young driver status that they have in their stable and and I think that helps and he's he he does he does have uh you know every team needs something like that um if you have just a whole crop of young drivers on the team you know that it can get a little wild and crazy but you know he could be the steadying rock over there. Not to say that Matt Tiff and David Reagan are wild and crazy drivers or wild and crazy people in life, but you know they, you know they, they, you know they're they're still fairly young themselves, and to have my and Michael McDowell um, there can can help balance that out. Well, we've got some rule changes in 2019. Any of those rule changes uh, that are taking place as far as post-race inspection, uh, aero package, uh, penalties, any of those new rule changes you think going to be a major factor in this uh, year's Daytona 500? Um, I don't know. You know, I think everybody's interested to see who's the first driver that gets tagged by the new penalties. Um, and NASCAR has already thrown a couple of people out of here this weekend because of uh, failing inspections. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports and um, that team has had somebody. Jermaine Racing has had somebody thrown out of here. So, um, you know, just like last night, they said, you know, uh, as far as, you know, the no locking bumpers deal, which, you know, has been something that NASCAR has had around for a couple of years, you know, last night they said they weren't going to give any warnings, and you know they 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 put people on pit road and penalized them for doing that. And I think that NASCAR is going to stick to their word when it comes to new rule changes. Uh, I don't think they're going to give anybody any warnings. They're not going to give any leeways. Um, they're just going to bounce you and, and give the win to whoever else. Um, is it going to play into this weekend? Honestly, I don't know, but I would you know. Uh, I, I would think that NASCAR NASCAR is going to look these cars over uh, very well before you know they they declare the winner. Um, you know, so uh, and they've done so in the past rightfully, but I think this is a new step in that evolution. Last question for you. you know, we look at, in a couple races through you know Talladega, uh, other races that we look at. 
for the big one. There's always the big one in some of these races. In fact, it's part of the reason why people buy tickets to some of these races is to, to see the big one. Daytona 500 is one of those races where you're going to see the big one. It's almost part of your emission price. You're going to see the big one. It's just not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. And we've seen some really big ones uh, there at Daytona. We saw if, if we were if we were to see a, a uh, glimpse into the future of tomorrow, we saw it last week and uh, in, in the clash. Uh, but uh, there's going to be some cars messed up, wrecked up. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. If you're in the middle of that pack, it could prove to be calamity. It could be uh, collateral damage on your part. One, how do you not cause the big one? Two, how do you get away from the big one? But we all want to see the big one. Uh, How do you get away from it? Well, you can't. And I think that's what kind of makes this exciting to some degree. Um, Not to drag on Jimmy Johnson, but let's just hope that he goes to the back of the pack and and we don't have a uh, three-time wreck this weekend. Uh, But all joking aside, you know, it's bound to happen at some point. Um, We see drivers do the first third half of a race really trying to figure out what their cars can do. And then we see them really come to life at the end. We see some really unstable cars uh, coming uh, to life at the end. And, you know, that's through some attrition. That's through some uh, other accidents that people are able to avoid. But we've seen some really unstable cars come to the top at the end, end, end of the end of the race. And I think for uh, I think for uh, the teams, they just have to be mindful of that throughout the entire event and, and try not do anything too crazy. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Thanks for sticking around a few extra minutes uh, with us there. I know you're calling us from Daytona, uh, Florida. So uh, just kind of give us your final thoughts, final wrap-up before we uh, let you go and and enjoy the weather and the race cars there in Florida. Um, I think it will be an exciting race tomorrow. I think we're going to see possibly a first-time winner. I would like to see a first-time winner, and it's the last race that we're going to have restricted plates in these cars. Well, we've come to the, the the time has come where we've got to uh, do something really important. So, um, stand by. Steve Wilson's official pick for the NASCAR Daytona 500 win is. <laughs> Um. Wow, you can put me on a spot like that. Uh, you got to, got to, you got to throw it out there, buddy. Got to throw it out there. Uh, Kevin Harvick. Let's go with Kevin Harvick. Let's go with the number two slot. Let's go with the number two slot. Breaking news. Steve Wilson uh, goes with Kevin Harvick as the winner of the 2019 2019 Daytona 500. Now, I said it a little bit earlier. I like this dark horse, and, you know, why not? Why not go for the dark horse? 
I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick as your winner for the 2019 Daytona 500. And we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll get it out there uh, on social media that that uh, who wins and who doesn't win. And, and maybe maybe the both of us are going to get knocked out in the big one there. But uh, I'll look for that fantasy invite here very soon, sir. <laughs> okay, all right. Sounds good. All right, buddy. You have yourself a good day. Where can people find your work at Masterpiece, sir? You can find that's Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, buddy. Have a good race weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you, JT. <laughs> Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, calling us live from Daytona, Florida, the Daytona 500 weekend, boys and girls. Granddaddy of them all. It is the Indy 500 of NASCAR. It is the Super Bowl of NASCAR. It is the World Series of NASCAR. It is the Stanley Cup of NASCAR. And uh, you heard it, that he picked Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick starts number two in the uh, 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 starting grid behind uh, pole setter William Bryan. And, and you know we're not, we're not gonna uh, shame him for that pick because he's actually a pretty doggone good driver, and he's a uh, he is uh, uh, Jimmy John's fast, freaky fast, right? In the Jimmy John's car there. I like the dark horse, though. I, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm going to be that guy for this weekend anyway. And um, and that is uh, Tyler Reddick. I, I, he's, to me, the, the, the driver that nobody's looking at, nobody's calculating a, a risk factor against, as long as he doesn't get caught up in that big one. Thanks to Matthew Embry, also 96.1 uh, WSBT up in South Bend, joining us talking some college hoopage and uh, some IndyCar uh, talk with us, talking about uh, some stuff going on in, in the, in the offseason as we get ready for the 2019 season. Obviously, we're getting etcher, ever so closer to the 2019 Indianapolis 500. I will be there. We'll be there with Speedway Digest as well. We'll be there with Matthew Embry as well. We'll be out in the pits. We'll be in the media center. We'll be at the interviews. We'll be doing everything Indianapolis 500 uh, coming up in May. And can you believe that we're just less than a week away from spring? Man, it is getting good. Sun is shining. Might be a little bit deceiving, but sun is shining. Thank you also to Mo for BS Sports Show. Join us, talk to NBA, MLB spring training, some uh, storylines in the NFL. Colin Kirkpatrick, $20 million. You got to be freaking kidding me. To play in a in a in a minor league team, if if you will, and that's at best. Of course, settles his lawsuit with the NFL, which should have never happened in the first place. He's just not a good quarterback. Come on, if he was that good, if he was that good, somebody would have picked him up. In spite of it all, not a single team offered him anything. He's only won 17 games in his entire career. He is not that good, people. Let's get off this Colin train. Let's get up on our feet. We don't need to kneel during the national anthem anyway. Don't get me started on that rant uh, today as well. Of course, the MLB in spring training. My Cardinals, let's, let's, let's hope for the best. We'll see what happens out in the National League Central. Obviously, that's my, uh, my, uh, my favorites. See what happens in the American League as well. Can the Boston Red Sox repeat? It's always going to be good to see the Red Sox and the Yankees 
<laughs> Do the bitter, bitter rivalry. You know, a lot of great rivalries in baseball. That's one of the greatest. Certainly the Cubs and the Cardinals is, is another uh, huge one. And, and also the Dodgers and the Giants. Those are all fun rivalries to watch. It, it's getting ready to happen. And we're getting ready to be have, happening with baseball. We just moved out of football. I mean, hey, it's good to be a it's good to be a sports fan. Also, thank you, uh, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest editor in chief of Speedway Digest, calling us live from Daytona, Florida, where the Daytona 500 is going to happen this weekend. Tomorrow, our Xfinity race today at two two thirty on Fox Sports One. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Steve Wilson picked his pick for the uh, Daytona 500 winner. And that is Kevin Harvick, and I picked Tyler Reddick, and we'll have that up on social media as well in the world of Twitter, Facebook as well. So make sure you are following us on on Twitter, on the Bird Twitter at T Balance and Facebook. Uh, go to our fan page, just search the Balance. We're pretty easy to find, and uh, just hit follow or hit hit like. So. That's it's, It is really that simple. Uh, we do this thing called The Balance every Saturday. Thank you if you've downloaded the podcast, as millions of you do every single week. I tell you what, I always enjoy watching the amount of people that download our podcast, whether it's through Apple iTunes, uh, TuneIn, or Stitcher, wherever your podcast format is at, anywhere in the nation, all across this great land, you can find us. Just search The Balance, and it's real easy to find in any of your podcast searches because, well, we're the best. We're on loan from God. My name is Tom Mark. What's El Presidente? Uh, and, uh, you know, we just do this. We just do this thing. We, we, we help you start your weekend out right. We help you start your Saturday out right. We help you. You know, we, we didn't have time to do the thumbs up, thumbs down. But, you know, hey, we, we get things going for you. Uh, on the weekend, and it's a, it's a long weekend for a lot of you. I mean, Monday Monday's off on Monday, three-day weekend. So, you know, it's a good weekend to watch some racing. Racing, boys, yeah! <laughs> anyway, today is the day, granddaddy of them all tomorrow. My name is Sean Marquis, El Presidente. Big, great being with you today. We're coming up on our two-minute warning. So if you got something you want to talk about, give me a call real quickly, 917-889-8516. Remember, again, to follow us on at T-Balance or www.thebalanceonline.com. Find us anywhere. You can find us anywhere. And, you know, we're we're making that shift from – uh, football being a, a primary emphasis. Obviously, uh, Ed Kratz, a uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, is a, uh, a our official NFL contributor. He's in the off season, so now we're bringing in some other people from the, from the crew. Rick Riggin, also a college football guy. Uh, he's going to take a little off season break, and he'll be back with us in college football. Matthew Embry's going to uh, continue to to join us with uh, college hoopage, and as we get into IndyCar. And, of course, now that we're in, in NASCAR uh, season as well, Steve Wilson will be joining us pretty much on a weekly basis uh, to break down the week in NASCAR. And then Mo will always be with us. Mo's a, a permanent fixture here on uh, on the balance. And Mo helps us talk just about anything because he's Mo from BS Sports Show. So we talk NBA. We talk in the MLB. We talk really 
whatever the highlights and lowlights, if you will, uh, in, in sports, that's for sure. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente, and we're going to call it a day. Remember, don't trick to drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.